Radio Newark, the home of Radio Newark Sport. Weeknights from 7. Radio Newark Sport. Brought to you with Smith's Timber Merchants. For all your fencing, decking and DIY needs on Appleton Gate, Newark. Visit smithstimber.co.uk. Tonight we take our look at some of the national stories that's been making the headlines this week. While Gary Edgington joins us all the way from Devon to talk about last weekend's truncated cricket and this weekend's glorious Saturday's cricket. Yes, we'll see. And of course, it's Thursday. We play Testone. Welcome to Radio New at Sport. And we begin, where else can we begin, but with the news that the Jockesses are out of the Women's World Cup after a twice-taken penalty gave Argentina a dramatic draw in added time in Paris. They gave away a three-goal lead in the last 15 minutes of the match and then tried to blame VAR. No such problems for England, of course. Three wins in the group, the last one over the mighty Japan. Apparently they are mighty in the world of women's football and uh, they march on while Scotland fly home. Where have we had that one before? FIFA says it got it wrong to remove fans from the Women's World Cup match wearing T-shirts calling for an Iranian woman to be let... calling for Iranian women to be let into football stadiums. Two fans were removed during Canada's 2-0 win over New Zealand. FIFA says they was wrong because it's not political. Sounds very much political to me, so we'll discuss... We'll discuss... We'll discuss FIFA and politics. <laughs> a man has been arrested on suspicion of manslaughter in relation to the death of the Argentine um, footballer Emmanuel Sala, who died in the plane crash. The striker who had signed uh, with Cardiff City was killed alongside pilot David Ibbotson. A spokesman for Dorset Police said a 64-year-old man from North Yorkshire had been arrested and released while investigations continue. World Rugby has abandoned plans for a new national championship starting in 2022 after failing to gain the required support from the unions. The governing body needed unanimous approval from the 10 unions that make up the Southern Hemisphere's Rugby Championship and Europe's Six Nations. And the Scottish FA have concluded an agreement to purchase Amden Park and will take ownership of the National Stadium from the 1st of August 2020. I'm sure Tony's got something to say on that subject as well as we discuss the week's news. OK, Mickey taking a part. You've got to feel for the Scottish ladies. They've done all the hard work, 3-0 up. Um, Argentina got back into it. Um, penalty in, in injury time. And I think it was a penalty. I'll, I'll go with that. But even, even that was <coughs> arguable that she got a foot on the ball first. Um, she saved the first one, but VAR said um, the, the new law, again, it's, it's correct. the new law says they've got to have at least one foot on the line. Well, the Scottish goalkeeper was probably a millimetre off the line. You, you couldn't even tell unless you put it on a still frame and really, really looked at it. And that's, Tony, what worries me. Because if you're going to go down to those 
fine lines mm. every time. It's taking the excitement out of football completely. Well, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> obviously, um, I, I was disappointed that supporting Scotland once again ends in heartbreak, <clears throat> but in the, the most bizarre of circumstances. But this VAR, <clears throat> I said I didn't like it at all, and I heard a footballer, a football league footballer, talking about VAR, and he said, when you score a goal, it's the best feeling in the world. Absolutely best feeling in the world. And um, if we were at, if we were on air after nine o'clock, I could I could develop that further. But you know, it's, it's it's the best feeling in the world, and that is irreplaceable in football. That that one second buzz when you score a goal or your team scores a goal. And now VAR has taken that away because you've now got to wait for a heck of a long time. It seems. Until a decision is made. Right, now you can celebrate. Or now, actually, there was a handball about 15 moves before that, which means that we can't allow the goal. It's, it's rubbish. Listening to um, to Shelley Kerr, who's the manager mm. of the Scottish ladies, some of the decisions were appalling, to say the least. It didn't take away the fact we were comfortable in the game and conceded three goals. But there was a ball on the pitch. We try and make a substitution. It's an absolute farce. She was referring to the fact that um, the Chinese referee allowed Argentina to take a free kick while she was actually making a substitution. Yeah. So a player, Fiona Bran, was not in position when the goal was scored. Now, come on. If you're going to say she was a millimetre out of place, you've got to say, pull that back because... Scotland was making a substitution. If you're going to get one thing 100% right, you've got to get everything 100% right, not just when it suits. Yeah, but I mean... And it will spoil the game. I've been on and off the fence with VAR. I'd, I'd like to... One thing I have seen today is the Premier League will not use it for, for goal-line penalty keepers. They say no. And just, they've also said they may review it, but at least at the start of the season, the Premier League are not using it for that. I just don't think it's got any place in football whatsoever. There are sports in which the big screen works. Cricket, uh, tennis, rugby league, rugby union. But football, it doesn't work. And, um, you know, I mean, that's already been proved in a year-long trial period in football. And they, they, we've, we've, we've proved it doesn't work, and yet now they're introducing it. But then again, you know, it's like sort of... If you score in the 74th minute and you take it back until a handball offence, maybe 15 moves before, how far do you take it back? You score a goal in the 74th minute and then go, let's just have a look at that kickoff in the first second of the game again, be because we're not exactly sure whether that... She, she might have had a foot off the line. So you've got the scenario now that, you, that you get a penalty in just before half-time, the player gets sent off, penalty's taken, the goal scored, the players walk off for half-time... VAR decides it wasn't a penalty in the first place. So has he got to rescind the play that's being sent off? Now they all got to come out just for the goal kick. <laughs> I mean, you know, we are getting... We, it, we get something that was, <clears> a, <throat> on paper, a good idea. Yeah. Doesn't work on a football pitch. But the scenario you've just painted is farcical. But under VAR, it could well happen. It could well happen. You know, it is, and, and, and that is why VAR itself should be 
kicked out of football. It's gonna, it's gonna ruin. I, I've, I've made my decision. It's gonna absolutely <clears throat> ruin football. Yeah, but, but in, in, in previous debates, when I've said it's rubbish, it should go. You've gone, oh, well, just think of it, and, and, and now But the longer it goes on... You, you've actually come around to my way... I mean, thinking. I assumed... Yes, OK. I assumed the longer it went on, the better it would get, mm. the more refined it would get. The longer it goes on, the more fo- and the more farcical it's getting. Goal line technology, has it crossed the line or hasn't it? That works. And the referee has got um, a device attached to his wrist, which, I don't t- which tells him whether or not yeah. it's offline or not. It works. Brilliant. I don't even mind offside, because you are, or you're not. Yeah. I don't even mind offside. But when VAR decides for the referee if that was a penalty or not, you've got some of the best referees in the world, women, men, at the top competitions. If they can't decide for themselves, Mm. me and you may as well go and referee the football matches. But also, I think there's a directive to assistant referees, or as we know, linesmen, not to raise the flag. If somebody is in, is in an offside position, don't raise your flag. Wait until VAR's had a look at it and let VAR decide. So you're taking away the human element completely. Instead of having the ball boys, you make mascots. You may you may as well like, write them on the line. It's pathetic. It's, it's, it's just it's absolutely it, pathetic. It, it, it doesn't work and it's rubbish. Scrap it. The system is, <clears throat> is the system is good if they keep it to the black and white. Hmm. When they move it from the black and white. Let's get serious for a minute. FIFA says it was wrong to remove fans from the Women's World Cup match for wearing T-shirts calling for Iranian women to be allowed into football stadiums. Two fans were removed during Canada's 2-0 win over New Zealand last Saturday because their T-shirts carried slogans. However, FIFA have now said the messages was social, not political, so not against its rules. The governing body added it will do its best to ensure similar situations do not occur in future matches. Well, it is political. Mm. It's quite simply political because the Iranian government won't let women go to football matches. That is political. And once again, it's FIFA getting something that's blatantly obvious to the rest of the world completely wrong. But if you take away politics out of FIFA decisions, how are they going to decide where to take the next World Cup? Yeah, okay, fair comment. Because that's done purely on politics. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right again. You're you're on a roll tonight, aren't you? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's just... Um, Shall we stick with the serious bit? And, it's just um, common sense. Because I know you've... Um, probably the wrong word is champion, but but y- you will not let this show forget the pilot. In, David Ibbotson, yeah. In, in, in that <clears throat> accident, and quite rightly so as well. Um, I, I really don't know. They, they, they've they arrested a man. What... what um, some suspicion of mans- manslaughter now... It has come out that he shouldn't have been flying that plane at night time. Yeah, I mean, the police and the authorities have asked that the press don't speculate and therefore cause any more pain on either side, either to the Ibbotson family or to the, uh, you know, um, Salah family. But, um, you know, I mean... But isn't this in... It's it's prolonging it to a large extent, isn't it? Because it's not going to change anything. I mean, Emiliano's dad died from a heart attack... Um, some months after he lost his son. And so the family have not only lost a son, they've now lost a, a father and a husband as well. You know, it's um, I can't see what possible positivity is going to come out of this latest development. You know, they've still not found David Ibbotson's body. No. This, they've now got this 64-year-old guy from North Yorkshire involved as well. I mean, you know... 
I, I can't. I, I, do, I don't think that it's going to. I think sometimes line, lines have to be drawn. So yeah. if I said to you, a football stadium which was built on Glasgow Southside in 1903 and has been hosting Scotland matches since 1906, it has it has hosted all but 16 Scottish Cup finals, all but seven League Cup finals, along with three European Cup finals, two two European. Cup winners cup finals the UEFA cup final and has a record attendance of 149,415 you'll know exactly what I was talking about yeah Queen's Park's home ground <laughs> <laughs> they only get 300 bless them yes and the stadium well I, I don't know what it's capable of taking now obviously not 149,000 but 51,062 right um, which, Scottish... is, which is rubbish it's a rubbish capacity for a national stadium but are there any more passionate supporters in the whole of the world probably are there any better football supporters in the whole of the world given they've had nothing whatsoever to shout about yeah, in their entire history yeah Newcastle <laughs> <laughs> um, the governing body has agreed a five million deal with owners Queen's Park um, the League 2 amateur club have now accepted a final and binding deal yeah, I, I hope they're still allowed to play there. But you see, in the... <clears throat> must be soulless playing in there with 300 people. Yeah, but I mean, you can say to your grandkids, yeah, I've played at Hamden. Well, I'll give you that one, but... But but then again, I mean, like, if if you go there, you've got, you've got Hamden Park itself, um, the theatre of comedy, and next door, you've got Little Hamden, which is like... A glorified training ground next door to it, but that would be perfect for Queen's Park to play at, and it would also hold their crowds, their, their average crowds, probably, without a problem. Probably a damn sight cheaper. I think it's got about 600 capacity, but, but you know, it's, it's just... Yeah. Hamden Park itself is just... It's, it's fantastic. I, I, I went there on a guided tour. I've never been to a match there, but I went there on a guided tour, and um, it is... The, 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 the history echoes around the place. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. Going on to the rugby, and World Rugby want to create a world competition, um, and it was going to be um, a top division of 12 teams from both hemispheres that play each other once in a calendar year um, through traditional competitions like the Six Nations Rugby Championship and the Autumn, and in other words, they could just make sure everybody plays each other and, and put points. The top two would then meet in an end-of-year showpiece final. Proposals would also see the November international schedules um, redrawn with smaller nations um, are fearing now that they're not going to get an absolute look-in in any of this. However, a 12-team first division would have seen regular exposure to all the nations, including the likes of Fiji and Japan, because they're going to play all the big big, big boys. Um, the Players' Union and are against it because of the travel required, because they're going to have rugby players playing or 12 you know for a 12 month period there's not going to be any any rest for them obviously with it being the summer's different again i think it's one of these things tony on paper it sounds brilliant i think i think the system that they operate in at the minute actually works this smacks to me of making more money and more television time and then that's all okay well that, that can be the only possible advantage to anybody Finan right. I financial thought, and TV I thought probably you might 
Nah, nah. Play New Zealand and Australia for points, not for. No, it's, it's, it, no? It, it, it works the way it is now, and if, if they want a world competition, they've got the uh, Web Ellis Trophy, haven't they? I think it's called the World Cup, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Okay, we have got it on us tonight, haven't we? <laughs> um, the, finally, the EFL fixtures came out today. The Mighty Forest started home against West Brom on television at 5.30 on the Saturday night, while Dirty Leeds start a day later again on, on television, and I think it's a trip to, um, to Bristol. Um, and then the second Saturday of the FL season, it's Leeds against Forest. So that's come round too early, really, hasn't it? Because she's just settling down. And the two dates that all Forest fans want to know, because it's the only two important dates of the whole season, are the 9th of November, when Forest are at home against the Sheep, and the 4th of April, when they travel to Sheep Town. I bet Bristol police are absolutely thrilled. Oh, they? I would think they're <laughs> just over the moon with that one. Brist have you ever been to Bristol at a weekend? Yes. But I've never been off the railway station. No, well, you, you, it's probably safer not to because Bristol is a very, very dark place at a weekend. It's very, very inherent violence about it. Go going off the railway station is not something I tend to do in these places very often, but, uh, mm, no, but there you, uh, you go. If, and if, that's if you've had Leeds United fans to that mix, I bet the police are loving that. I bet they are, and that actually ends our little roundup of some of the stories can, that's can made. I, can, can I just say... <laughs> Can I say because because Rob Orgill, a great a great a great, uh, a, a, a great friend of this show, stopped me on Saturday and said, "Have you got your Gordon Wellborn hat yet?" And and it's arrived now. And I didn't realise until I'm just looking at it now. It's a, it's a very fine beanie hat and with with a a company in uh, Snood, is it called? Now you've told the world that you've got one and they're only supposed to be for the runners. Right, OK, but, let's move on. But, before... but, but, but I'd just like to say, I've just noticed it's <laughs> the 34th Gordon Wellborn. That means when I started at the Advertiser, it was only a year old. And I think that's a... I'll, I'll, I'll treasure that. Nice touch. Advertiser colours as well. Maths as well. When is it all going to end? <laughs> You know what this means, though, don't you? Oh, yeah. Now, you won't remember, but last week you were telling the world that you was going to Chrome with your holidays. Oh, yeah, and you never got around to And I asked you who Chrome's most favourite son was. Yeah, we never got around to the answer. OK, well, it turns out, actually, that um, it's the 73rd anniversary on last Monday of his funeral. So, legitimately, I can talk about him tonight. Yeah. This is a lifeboatman um, that carried out 387 rescues, saving 873 lives. Oh, yeah. He's the most decorated lifeboatman ever, with three gold medals, four silver, a George Cross, and a British Empire wow. medal. He was on the boat during the First World War and the Second World War, and most of the medals came in the Second World War with the convoys going down the east, going down the east coast. Um, and when you go to Cromer, please pay a visit to something called the Henry Blog Museum. Henry Blog, the most decorated lifeboatman in history. Really? Yes. Wow. And he's got his own museum. Well. 
As you know, we are going to Norfolk um, for, for our holidays, so I will uh, make a point of uh, calling in to see you. You must go and see that. So, and, what and we never got around students. to again last week was the most decorated lifeboatman mm. from Cromer. Right, on Lovely. the birthdays. 9th, the 16th of June, 1927. Tom Graveney was born. Cricketer. Um, don't know a great deal about Tom, other than he's, um... <coughs> a, a fellow that the old-timers talk about very fondly. Tom Graveney played 79 tests. And the bit that I was intrigued, do you know who can remember who he played for? Kent? No. We will save that one for Gary. Ah. I think I know, but we'll save that one for Gary. But Tom Graveney was actually born in Northumberland. Oh, was he? Yes. In 1970, on the 16th of June, Phil Mickelson was born. A golfer. (coughs) A left-handed American golfer. It was um, (coughs) supposed to be a very, very nice bloke, if you get to meet him. On the 18th of June, and I want to know what the connection to football is. Born in 1941, Delia Smith. Delia Smith. (coughs) She had a a legendary moment with a microphone (coughs) at half-time of a Norwich City game, where Norwich City, she's a director at Carrow Road, and um, (coughs) she uh, clearly had been uh, whining and dining with her fellow directors and rather overdone the whining bit of it. (laughs) And um, (coughs) shouted down the microphone after a particularly somnambulant first-half performance from her supporters. Oh, what? Sleepy. First-half performance from Come on, let's be having you. Where are you? <laughs> Shouted Delia down the microphone to her eternal regret when she sobered up the following day, I would imagine. <laughs> on the 18th of... Um, Never been there, of course. <laughs> on the 18th of June, <laughs> 1942, Paul McCartney was born. Beetle. <clears throat> but, um... It, some, some, some said he was of the Beatles, didn't they? They did, but he was the driving force behind them. But, um, obviously, the great, talented one was John Lennon, who um, was, the, was the inspiration behind it. And it was John Lennon who came up with the immortal Beatles line when he was asked, is um, Ringo Starr the best drummer in the world? And he said, he's not even the best drummer in the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> Moving forward very quickly to 1971, on again the 18th of June... Nigel Owens. The, um, the rugby umpire. Well, I'd call him referee, but you can call him... No, under, I say, r- referee, r- rugby referee. Yes. Who infamously came out uh, as gay. I've got the right one. And it, it was quite, quite a, a tragic story because he, he couldn't come to terms with the fact um, that he liked blokes rather than ladies. And he was in... Um, obviously a world of sport where it wasn't going to be wildly celebrated by any means it's a real man's man's world is is, is, is rugby union and he actually went up into the hills near his uh, Welsh home and um, took a shotgun and some tablets and uh, fully intended to end his life there and then but um, the tablets got the better of him and he fell asleep before he could get near the shotgun and then... uh, it's a, it, it, it's a wonderful, wonderful, loving story that's that's written in a great book uh, that I think is his autobiography. But 
the way he was accepted as gay in the rugby union world is an immense credit to that sport. Absolutely superb credit to a, to, to a wonderful, wonderful sport. And to the eternal shame of soccer, to the Football Association version of football, nobody has ever dared to do that in football. And I think that's to the tremendous shame of football. I like watching him referee because he, he, I, I like what he comes out of. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, he's, I mean, what you've just said was absolutely wonderful. Um, I didn't know that, and it was absolutely yeah, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, gentlemen, if you want to act, act like that, I, I suggest you go and play soccer. You know, it's yeah. Well, the, you know, when he when he was mic'd up during a game, and he said, he said, look, just just stop for a moment. Let me introduce myself. I am the referee. <laughs> Therefore, you listen when I talk. Yeah. Ten yards penalty. <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> it's brilliant, and you know. It, but everybody loves him when he does yeah, it. Yeah, which is great. And I, I, I just think he's uh, one of uh, the, I, one of one of modern society's great sportsmen. I agree with you. The nineteenth of June, nineteen sixty-three, Rory Underwood. Well, he has a very, very great claim to fame. Um, he actually caught me out at Collingham Cricket Club in their <laughs> first ever festival. And um, it was, um, I, I at the time got my um, second highest ever score of 15. Um, and uh, Only you could got it round to you. And, I, and um, in the scorebook it says, Tony Smith caught Rory Underwood and then rather embarrassingly bowled Mrs Chittell. <laughs> 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 it was uh, all the... Um, celebrities uh, from sport and Emmerdale Farm came along to play in the first Collingham Cricket Club Festival at Dale Field. Of course, Roy Underwood was an RAF officer, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, was, yeah. And uh, I think he was a, a fighter pilot as well as an England rugby international. One more for you, and then I'm going to ask a couple to Gary. Um, 1956, the 20th of June, Peter Reid. A superb <clears throat> battling midfielder. And uh, he, he, I'm really surprised he didn't make a better manager than than, than he has done, because I, I would have thought it would be a natural. In fact, is I think he's got a brother as a non-league manager who's, who's done rather better in the managerial world than, than Peter ever did. But um, great luck. Cheer up, Peter Reid. That was Sunderland's song, wasn't it? Yeah. When they got relegated yet again. Yeah. Uh, on the 17th of June, 45 years ago, we saw. For the first time ever, the Cruyff turn. I'm, t I'm just going back to Peter Reid. In the only ever cup final I ever saw, 1985, I think Kevin Moran got sent off for fouling Peter Reid. He got sent off, certainly. Yeah, I think it was for a foul on Peter Reid. Anyway, sorry. Yes, we moved on. You, you can sorry, just try yeah, and keep yeah, up, yeah. it'd be nice. Yeah, go on. 45 years ago, last Monday, for the first time ever, the Cruyff turn. About, about Johan Cruyff, mm. <coughs> where, where you uh, the defender went that way and yeah, Cruyff went yeah. the other way. Brilliant, and, and is 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 now replicated, you know, <coughs> countless thousands of times all over the world, but never better than by Anthony Shermer, our beloved Trigger, who, who, who I think should rename it the Trigger Turn because Trigger does it far better, and he was a hell hell of a sight older than uh, Johan Cruyff. When, when he's still performing it, still performing the feat now. And on that note, I think we better <laughs> go for a break. 
as usual with a live show where um we seem to be struggling to um to find Devon. I've only just got phones down there. This is the problem. Um and you know, knowing how to use the phones I've got down there is another thing entirely. So we've um, so we've got uh, we're trying to ring Devon and we've got Mr. Smith trying to ring Devon. Yeah, that's the one, the one that's got a star against it. That's the clue. <sighs> oh yeah. If only there was a webcam in here, they could see just how despairing I am. Um, right, Tony's gone to try and see if we can get hold of Gary. We was just talking during the break. Only this show can mention Anthony Shermer and Johan Cruyff in the same sentence and sound as if we're being serious. We love Trigger. We love him better than we do Johan Cruyff. But it's it just... Uh, it's amusing, to say the least. But uh, there you go. It's No, Tony is struggling as well. We do seem to be struggling to get hold of... Hold of Gary tonight. Gary, if you're listening, ring me, please. Because if you don't, Tony's going to have to burst out into song. And we don't want that to happen. Uh, next week, I can just tell you what's happening next Tuesday night. Um, we've got the youngsters from um, Newark Amateur Boxing Club coming in. So we're looking forward to that one. And Tony's not had any success with Gary. So we'll try again um, in a couple of minutes. So straight to answer machine. Straight to answer machine. Well, that, that, that's not very good, is it? Um, Right. It's probably just as well, anyway. So what we're going to do is the questions that we was going to ask Gary. We'll we'll we'll, we'll ask you instead because we've got a couple more on on these things that I was, I was saving. For Be- his... Because you were going to ask Gary about Tom Graveney. Yes. And uh, knowing Gary and his history, he'll probably have uh, Tom Graveney opening the batting with Alan Jackson, won't he? Oh, cutting! <laughs> Absolutely cutting! I'll teach him to be not answering his phone. Well, shocking. Because the other one I'd, I'd got was born on the 21st of June 1937, and that's John Edridge. Again, another fine cricketer. But um, it was, it was, John Edridge was around in the time when I was just vaguely getting interested in cricket. But um, again, people of, of a more venerable cricketing and following knowledge than me talk about him in, in, in revered terms. Venerable? Yeah. Some big words coming out tonight. Yeah, I don't know. I think I saw the dictionary or something, but it's... Um, I, 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 every time I, uh, I I get a bit confused about a, a character from the sporting past, I just throw in a big word and it, it tends to take you off track. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does. Expunged. It, it, it does take you, take, <laughs> take, take you off track. We're desperately trying to go to Gary because we want, we want to talk about cricket. Because yeah, yeah. I think this weekend, Tony, for the... F- I think for the first time <clears throat> this cricket season... The forecast is bang on. It's bang on, isn't it? You know, and we've mentioned this before, haven't we, when we've sort of been rambling on a Monday night. How disappointing it is for all of you that are involved in the game, that play the game, that even stand there and wave your hands about. <laughs> <laughs> You're a month into the season and you've either frozen to death and we've got absolutely soaked. Yeah, I've I've umpired um, two and a half games so far this summer, and uh, spent a lot of time um, sitting around watching the rain through windows. But um, I say that's th- th- that is that is all part of the uh, the beautiful game, isn't it? Only the English would invent a game where you have to stop for rain, or as Americans look upon it in terms of the county championship, it's the only game where you stop for three meals. You know, it's it's just. Uh, it, 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 it's it's one of those games where, <clears throat> unfortunately, it lends itself to so, so many grey areas. And uh, I was listening to the game um, on um, 
Sunday, wasn't it? India versus Pakistan from Old Trafford. Is it one billion <coughs> people yeah. watched it? Old Trafford has got a capacity of 24,000 thanks to this new, incredible portable stand. Have you seen it? 8,000 capacity or something, 8,000 capacity stand. It's, it's got 70 decks going back, 70 rows of seats going back up into the, the highest of heights, which would terrify me on the back row because I can't stand heights. But, um, yeah, but, but the, apparently there are, there's a, there's a 24,000 capacity these days at Old Trafford, 500,000 applications for tickets from India and Pakistani supporters were sent in. And, uh, you know, it's just... I'm pleased to say that such a potentially volatile and dangerous sporting fixture went ahead with not a single problem. And, uh, you know, it was just a, a great occasion, but unfortunately ended in complete farce with the players coming back on at about quarter past seven in the evening, uh, which was the exact cut-off time, and the umpires decided that five more overs would be bowled and Pakistan needed 140 off the last five overs to win. <laughs> and, 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 Say that again. They needed, uh, under the Duckworth-Lewis method, I think there's another guy got involved that begins with an S as well, those VAR as well. <clears throat> they don't understand it at all. It is, it's cricket's version of, it, of, of VAR. But under the Duckworth-Lewis method, um, there were five overs that had to be bowled to officially finish the game, and off those five overs, Pakistan needed 140 to win. So, um, that... Uh, you may as well just let everybody go home, haven't you? It's, it's the first time five live... Uh, or five live extra with the TMS special team. They were, they were saying it's just farcical, and and people were saying, "Look, I'm very very sorry that you got to listen to this rubbish. Why don't you switch on to another radio station that they might be talking more common sense?" And, and sadly, cricket has got that way of wonderfully shooting itself in the head every time. Unbelievable, unbelievable. That's um, two minutes. We're on a two minute countdown apparently. To what? To Get, to go into Devon. Oh, I thought someone had left a bomb in here. We're a two-minute countdown for Devon, so yeah. um, we'll, we'll leave what's on next week and we'll just talk about... Um, <laughs> why are we on a two-minute countdown? I've really got no <laughs> idea why we're on a two-minute countdown, but we're on a two-minute countdown. Thank um, God it's not live radio, eh? Jeez. What did you make of last night? Because I, I've, I've had plenty stick at work today because they reckon I had a go at Manchester United too much. No. Um, I can't believe I ever would do that. Um, no, I mean, I've, I've, I've got no axe to grind with Manchester United, but they're making themselves a laughingstock. But, unfortunately, you cannot have a discussion about football without extolling the virtues of Liverpool at the moment and their management team, which is absolutely second to right them. let's just go for another quick break while we see if devon is now connected to the rest of the world <laughs> shall we <laughs> okay we're now going live to devon they're obviously 10 minutes behind the rest of the uk um <laughs> devon time but there again if you've been to devon you'll know that they're behind the uk in a lot of things and um <laughs> meeting up with um with our gary um gary a belated good evening Good evening, uh, everybody. Uh, sorry about that. Delays <laughs> with the uh, talking to the Amanu landlady. And, uh, yes, I, I, I rang her on the house phone and during yeah, the break. Yeah. Um, uh, before we start on the local cricket, Gary, you've obviously not been listening because you've been busy um, talking to your new landlady. Um, 
a couple of questions from Tony's little trip down memory lane. Uh, on the twenty, on the sixteenth of June, nineteen twenty-seven, Tom Graveney was born. We know Tom Graveney was born in Northumberland. We know he played seventy-nine tests. Tony thinks he played his cricket for Kent. I know he didn't. Who did he play his played cricket for? Played for Gloucestershire. Played for Gloucestershire. There you go. There goes my geography again. Um, the second one. Um, I'll give you the name. The name was John Edridge. He was born on the twenty-first of June, nineteen thirty-seven. And his top test match score was against who? Who against who? Oh, I've got him. I've got him. Ooh, John Edrich. Left-hander, Surrey. Nice big sideburns. Open the back of the boy's got. I'm going to say New Zealand. Yes. Ooh. Hey, I'll, I'll, can I hazard a guess at the score? And I'm not in front of my computer. 234. 310. 310. Oh, I, uh, yeah, it was a good batsman. Had mm. big, big eyebrows. Dennis Healy eyebrows, if I remember. Yeah, I think mm. you're probably right, yeah, actually. Yeah. Right, one for both of you. And remember, we don't have to do it. It doesn't have to be sport. It may be sport. It may not be sport. But born on the 21st of June, 1944, Ray Davis. Lead singer of the King. You've got him, Gary. <laughs> Uh, Gary know. won, Tony nil. Let's sing it The Kinks. The Kinks. Waterloo Sunset, one of the best records ever. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I've heard of The Kinks, but I didn't know about Ray Davis. Ray Davis, lead singer. I, t- I mean, I tell anybody, I tell you both and I tell anybody, if you ever get a chance to go to London, there's a stage show based on The Kinks. It was the most wonderful afternoon, wonderful show that we've ever been to see. It was brilliant. Anyway, moving on because somebody's somebody's running late. I am, um, I am, I am glad that question was to, was to Gary because I'd have said the uh, snooker commentator. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, it rained at five o'clock here last Saturday and put paid to everybody bar bar Collingham and Bolton seconds who obviously got it all over and done with beforehand. Um, it's been absolutely atrocious every single Saturday of this cricket season, but this Saturday we are promised. Sunshine all the way. Ah, there's a, there's a bonus because I think we've had rain. We've even having some of that wet stuff down here, and that's against the law down here, you know. As long as it's out of the way before August, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> not a lot to talk about from last week. Um, Collingham, another losing draw. I mean, David tells us it is disappointing, and they had a get together after the um, after the match. Um, uh, sort of pull your socks up conversation but uh, that they've got to get that sorted out between themselves um bolton thought they could have knocked the 236 off at um at, at carrington and eden trying to spend most of monday telling us about the best ever bowling performance so that summed up last weekend well i did i did uh, because obviously i i got the live feature and i thought hello bolton what's happened there that was uh, that was you definitely a hundred ball game <laughs> it was but no, she she did really, really well. I did congratulate her. And then I did inform her that I'd informed you. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do like to stir the pot. Thanks, mate. But, I, 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 you know, it's, 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 it's wonderful. It's wonderful to see it. And um, in this week's Fondon's first team squad is a young lady called Rhiannon Nolan Davis, who is, um, I think she's about 15, but she plays for, for Knott's, 
she's a good bowler um, she's top of the not Notts youth bowling averages for this season she's taken the most wickets um, and Fonda's given her a run out in the first team and I think it's lovely to see Gary I really do yeah well as I say I mean obviously I've, I've not heard the name before um, but you have to remember as well Eden, she's not playing at Mickey Mouse cricket level she's playing at a very 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 good standard and I think a lot of people probably have a sexist view when she comes in the bowl but you can't argue with them figures week in week out season after season no yeah. no you can't um, I, it's um, it, it's and that's my match of the day on um, Saturday I'm going to have a going down to have, have a look at Farndon before we talk about this weekend because there's very little to talk about last weekend's um, a lot of people have been talking to me about our one to four, and actually everybody really agrees with Alistair Cook, Graham Grooch, David Gower, and Kevin Peterson. Who goes in at number five? For me, yeah. Did we not speak about this last week? Or did no, we, get we stopped at four. All right, and well, we're going to stop at six tonight. My number five is Graham Thorpe. Right. Okay. <laughs> Tell you why, uh, a very, very good foil for the all-rounders that are coming in, all with Peterson, although he did replace, he, he, he actually made way for Peterson, but when you had the likes of, um, would it have been Robin Smith and people like that, Just, uh, but playing spin, I remember watching in play in virtually darkness in gore in Sri Lanka uh, when we the first time I think we ever won a series over there or for a long while uh, Thorpey was always my number five he's always been my, one of my favourite cricketers of all time and I do like left right left right so Cook Gooch is a left right and then we've got Gower Peterson's another left right and then we've gone back to my left of thought so I, I put when I sat and thought about it so I didn't know where else to put him and I thought he ought to be in there was Joe Root I think he'll be an all time England great but I don't think well that's why cricket search, uh, and sports are a great thing we've all got our own opinions and if we all thought the same we wouldn't have a show would we exactly Mr Smith have you got an opinion on a number five I don't think you can <coughs> really go much further than uh, Graham Thorpe I, thought, I think that's an excellent choice I think if the conversation took place in 20 years time I think Joe Root would have to be in there so, oh yeah definitely, definitely. So that, 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 that's the way I would take it. no and the way we talk it probably will be taking place <laughs> in 20 years time <laughs> God um, I'll certainly be wearing my okay, then my number 6 because um, we're going to go as far as 6 tonight um, my number 6 is Ian Botham yeah yeah, well, that was a quick conversation. <laughs> well, that sorted that one out, then, hasn't it? Okay. <clears throat> uh, I mean, he's got to be there, hasn't he? It's just a question of where you put him. Well, yeah, I, I, I would always put both of them at six for psychology reasons. And he's a right hander. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right, that's right. Okay, right, here we go. <laughs> my number seven, Scuff, is my theory. Well, my number seven's a wicket keeper, so. So is mine. My, my number seven comes from Kent. Mine doesn't. Oh. Ah. Oh. Right. 
we have so you've got a wicket keeper not from kent not, not from, from kent, kent. yeah yeah so uh, you you've got a wicket keeper but it's not alan not you're no. telling me somebody's a better wicket keeper than alan not no no i'm saying a better number seven than that. alan not is the best in no no bob taylor i'd say was a nine and a half out of ten with the gloves and alan not was a nine but bob taylor couldn't bat my number seven. Are we saying the sevens or not? Yeah, yeah. Because you got me intrigued now. Because I didn't. <laughs> I thought I haven't got a wicket. I haven't got a wicket keeper that's better than Alan Nott. Alex Stewart. Oh, seven. Seven. Okay. No, worry about it. It, it. The tail is a lot less wagging with Stewart at seven. Ooh. Well, not good bat. About, I even thought about Matt Pryor ahead of Alan Nott, but I don't like Matt Pryor. <laughs> do not like him as a person great player but you know there's some players you don't like Matt Pryor was one of the English players I never never bothered me if he was out first ball why don't, why, why don't you like him Gary I think he was one of the ones along with but then again I like Broad and he was just one of the ones along with Broad Anderson and Swan who stirred the pot too much on KP yeah exactly yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. And um, plus, as well, he's not—he's not a. He's probably on par with Alex Stewart keeping-wise. Probably an eight out of ten. Where how many tons has Stewart got against West Indies, against Australia, against Pakistan when they had probably the best opening two bowlers as an attack together? I'll tell you what, it makes it make it, it makes one hell of a top seven. I just think he's a better batsman than Notty. I right. don't think he's as good with the gloves. Okay, well, next week, if we can get hold of you sometime before 20 to 8, <laughs> we'll, um, we'll talk about the bowlers. Um, but now we're going to look forward to a glorious sunny Saturday afternoon, Gary, and what have we got to look forward to? Right, this week, the 22nd this week, isn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Bowlers have got a nice, easy match. Yes, I've just noticed. Cli- they're away at Clifton Village. <laughs> That's... Uh, but as I say, the last two weeks they've certainly, uh, you know, they've certainly stopped the rot. So the, the reverse fixtures of these matches have come round very quickly, Gary. Well, it's all to do with ground availabilities, right? Because obviously some people play on park pitches. Um, some grounds hold um, fates and stuff like that, and then you've got the Premier League, which takes precedence over both the Bassett Law and Ali. But you, when you're saying it's a quick turnaround... Well, it don't seem five minutes since Clifton was playing on Bolton playing field. I'm having a look through the fixtures. It's three, four weeks? Uh, May the 25th. Well, yeah, it's not that long, is it? May the 25th. Because Collingham, I noticed, going to Kimberley, and, of course, on the same day, Collingham played Kimberley. Yeah, oh, it's, it's a reverse plot. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's Ryan who does the fixtures, if you imagine, he's got 50, he hasn't got four divisions like the Football League have got. Uh, he has, you know, he's got teams in Bassett Law that share grounds with our teams, like Raven's Head in Division F or G, share their grounds with Papelwick and Limby Thirds in the Bassett Law. That's the sort of, equation he's got and obviously 
he just fits them in to try and accommodate us between May the 4th and August the 31st and then when you have um, grounds not available teams can pick either April the 27th September the 7th or September the 14th okay then we won't have a go at him too much it, tell you what it, Mim used to do it and he used to take Mim about six weeks to do the fixtures <laughs> now Ryan has now not only got our league to do he does the Bassett Law and he does the Notts Premier League fixtures okay um, so Bolton are going to get they'll be struggling to get any in, in all if they come back with no, anything no, from Clifton no. that will be a plus yeah, well, it'll be a bonus. Know, it'll be a bonus. It'll be one of them if they get, you know, if they can get things from the match, they'll consider. And on the other hand, Collingham, Kimberley, the, um, as I say, it was one of Collingham's better performances, and if they can take that in to uh, the Kimberley ground. I don't know if you've ever been to the Kimberley ground, Nick. It's one of the most unusual grounds. It's actually a slope on the pitch <laughs> in front of the pavilion that's about 10 or 12 foot. Uh, that um, it's very difficult to field on. Have you, ever been to Be- have you ever been to Belper Cricket Ground? To where? To Belper. I know it's in Derbyshire, but... It depends which one. There's two. There's Belper Madgers, and then there's Belper Amateurs. Amateurs play up in the sky. This is the one next to the football on... ground. Oh, no, that's Belper Madgers. I right. played on both. There's a sort of a, a hill on that as well. Yeah, yeah, and there used to be one at Nuttall as well. Right, moving on, because we're moving time, because somebody was late. Um, okay, sorry. <laughs> Division D, and we've actually got a home match to go and look at. Farnden are at home. Well, there we go. You haven't got so far to travel. No. And they're playing Beeston and Tote and Sycamore. So uh, I'm, I'm going to boldly go and just say I think that'll be a maximum point. So I've got a few friends who play for Beeston. Uh, but I think it'll be maximum points there for Farnden. Is it one where I better turn up earlier rather than late? Well, you want... Again, team that... If Farnden bat first, they'll bat to uh, Beeson and Toten out of the game, I think. Right. And for Newark, they're away at Westbridge Fordian twos, who um, I thought they might emulate there first, but they've had a tricky start to the season. Uh, potential banana skin, but momentum uh, is still with the Newark guys so uh, I can see I went for a double win there Fondant and Newark both to win right okay right um, go through um, the twos and the threes then can you if you got them in front of you right well I'm just nipping down to division F I'm looking at my fixtures normally I have this wrote out but as I say she was talking to me that much on the phone no it's division E shocking Quick mention for Flintham, who've got Burton Joyce. Uh, home win there for Flintham. Okay. Poly- sorry, no, sorry, I apologise. They're away at East League. Away, probably the worst ground ever to play on. <laughs> <All right. laughs> okay. Oh, East, East League's a pea shooter ground. I don't think I've ever seen a 250 scored on East League's pitch in the 16 years I've been with this league. We once, we once bowled him out for 29. <laughs> Martin Yard was unplayable. Eight, I think Martin Yard took 8 for 12. He was unplayable. Um, so, yeah, I can see uh, Collingham playing Loudon. Good job it's not the other way around because <laughs> obviously with Loudon's pitch. Yeah. Um, so, I'm going to say Collingham there. Oh, 
Whoever bats second in that one, I think, will win. Right. I've normally have a PC or my notes in front of me, Mick, so I apologise tonight. I'm having to do it off off the top of my head. Right, we've got Boulderton 2s are playing Clifton Village 2s. So, uh, again, I think the transfers will have a big impact on that match. Um, but let's see if they can make somebody else step up to the plate this week. That'd be nice to talk about. No decrying them, but... They've got to get nice the ball off make... Eden first, and that's not going to be easy. Well, you know... Bless them. Nice, no, done well, done well. Um, we right, so we mentioned Boulderton 2s. We now... I wish these fixtures in my book were a lot compacted. <laughs> right, uh, June the 22nd. We haven't got anything there. We have got Newark R&M thirds. We've got Kimberley Portland. Sorry, Kirkby Portland threes. Um, interesting game there. As I say, but, but a lot of people haven't played now for three weeks. Yeah, um, they're gonna, there's going to be a lot. You say a lot of cricketers a bit a bit rusty. Um, it'd be nice to see somebody get some runs get some big runs again because the runs in particular have just dried up in these conditions there's a lot an awful lot of low scores well as I say you know we're not playing on hard well they're not playing on hard pitches I mean you've got to think as well sorry having a moan about the players saying we're not playing you just think of these poor groundsmen what they've been trying to do yes I I work with the Collingham one I get told every day yeah you know you work hard Monday to Thursday and then the Evans open and all your work's done in vain and then is more bothered about how much the sandwiches cost for teas that's not, that's not going to get eaten well, I'm sure the bar takings haven't suffered that much at any of the clubs <laughs> I'm well, sure they haven't you... Gary we're going to have to call it today I'm afraid because time's going to beat us um, no worries my friend we'll try and get you at 7.30 Devon Mean Time next week <laughs> I shall well as I say we, we'll be moving in partly on Wednesday but I've cleared Thursday free good luck so I've got to come back here because at the moment, I haven't got an internet signal in the house until next Thursday. Give oh. me a new one. Right, better go. Talk to you soon. Take care, boys. Thanks, Gary. Bye bye. Um, I think we've probably interrupted Gary Edgington's house moving. So, <laughs> big thanks to Gary. Big thanks to uh, to Zara Jackson <coughs> on Tuesday and Jason Taylor last night for being our guest. Um, next week in the studio on Tuesday night, we've got the four youngsters that's making the the boxing news, including. Tony's sort of protege, the one that he's tipped as a star <laughs> of the future, the poor girl. Um, he's tipped as a star of the future. They're going to come in and see us. And on Wednesday night, somebody who I tipped four years ago to be a star of the future. And Chloe, you've got lots of pressure because Tony's tipped you. The one that I've tipped is a superstar because she's now captain of England under 18s. <sighs> Jess Weaver joins us next week. We'll see you then. Have, have, have a nice weekend. We-